you'll take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, 14 through 17, where again we're talking about kingdom living. What does it mean to live out this gospel? And so we've talked about what does it mean to be um, having a perspective where we are the missionaries, where we talk about preaching the gospel to ourselves every day, where it talks about us being the evangelists that go out into the world, that you are the heralds of God's word. And so we find ourselves today coming to kingdom worship. Now, we are doing this because a lot of people in today's day and age, people think worship is sometimes just simply this, corporate worship. And this becomes worship for them. Others people think that sometimes it's just the songs. It's just the music that we sing a part of the worship service. Now, the reality is, is worship um, from the way that we get the Greek word, it means to fall down before God. And when we fall down before God, it means that we should have an attitude of spirit. It's something that happens eternally, but that's something that should happen all of the time in all of our lives. So all that we do is a part of worship. Okay, so the way that we think, the way that we act should be a part of our worship unto God. And so even when we're here, a part of corporate worship, which we are called to be a part of, and yes, we're called to sing, and we'll see that later on, we still worship individually. So you are held accountable for the way that you sing the song, for the way that you listen to the prayer, the way that you respond to the message. You are a part of the service. You're not being here to be entertained. You're not here to just simply hold up a sign afterwards and go, I gave today's worship a five or a six or a seven or a one, whatever it might be. You're not here to just give a rating. You are here to participate. And so we participate together to give God all the glory. So we participate in in regards to following and giving all of God his worship and glory that he is rightfully due. So how does this happen? And so what we're going to do is we're going to read Colossians chapter 3 verses 14 through 17. And I want you to keep in mind that we give God in all things worship. So how does that happen? Let's look at the passage this morning. Verse 14. And above all, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as you come to teach us this morning, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit would move in such a way that you would give us a greater understanding and a grasp of what it means to have kingdom worship. Lord, that we would worship you in all things, whether it's through us living together in unity, whether it's us establishing your word to be saturating our lives so that we might be able to grasp and understand and that we might worship correctly. And Lord, that we would recognize that in all things, in word and deed, we are to give you glory and honor and be thankful for the grace and mercy that you've given to us. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to see that this is a pattern, and hopefully you picked up on it as we were uh, listening to it. So you have a part of the pattern of what's going to be changed through Christ with great thankfulness. And so that's verses 15, 16, and 17. And so that's how we're going to look at the passage this morning. So the first thing it talks about is it talks about the peace of Christ. 
the peace of Christ. So it's written here, uh, talking about it as it rules in your heart. Now, the rule of Christ is a very specific word in the Greek, and you'll see it up behind me now, baribo, and it means an umpire or a referee. It's an athletic kind of understanding. And so what happens here is it says, let the Holy Spirit umpire your life. Let him be the one who tells you when things are out of accord. Let him be the one, in essence, to blow the whistle when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so the Holy Spirit is to rule in Christ in your hearts. And he's supposed to be coming about and ruling our behavior. And so he tells us again when things are out of accord with the things that we're supposed to be living in regards to Christ. And so he now takes that rule and he says within our hearts. Now there's a couple of aspects here. One I want you to understand is that first we have peace with God, but we also have peace from God. Okay, we have peace with God because of the gospel. We know, and we've been singing about it, that our sins are so many, our sins are so great, but God's mercy and forgiveness is far greater. And so we have this aspect that, again, we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We have to remind ourselves that God loved us before the foundation of the world, before he created anything. He loved us perfectly, and he doesn't change. Okay, And that's a great thing that he doesn't change. Because if he changed and he was like us, how horrible would that be? One day you get up and he's just like, well, I don't love you anymore. That would be horrible. So he's unchanging. So before the foundation of the world to everlasting, he never changes. His love is always perfect. And so his love for us comes. And so what he does, he says, when we begin to grasp the gospel, if you see earlier in this passage, we begin to take off the old, but we replace it with new things. Because it's not enough just to get rid of the old. Because then what happens? Something has to replace what's there. And so what he says is we have to replace with the new things. And the new things are things like this. Humility, meekness, patience, kindness, compassionate hearts. So we bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And so there's this newness that comes, and so we are constantly allowing the Holy Spirit to, to go in and broker our lives. And, and he's the one who, again, is umpiring us all the time. So he's the one who's telling us, hey, that's out of line. Get back in line with what you know to be true. So when you, you talk bad, when you cheat, when you steal something, when you um, abuse your parents, when you say something mean to a friend, when you, whatever it might be, the Holy Spirit is there and he's convicting you. And he says, that's out of line. That's not what should be coming out of the mouth or out of the actions of those that are there. And so he's always calling us back. And as he's calling us back, he says, I want you to remember how you've been forgiven. And so as you have peace from God, you should also have peace with one another. And so one of the great things that God does is he allows us to be adopted into the family of God, which means we need each other. Again, you want to find somebody who is happy about their church? They're probably a church of one. They're doing it on their own. And because that's the only place where you'll always be right, where no one will ever go against you, where no one will always any question your motives. But to be in church, to be in family, and you've been there. If you have been a part of the family, do you constantly are happy with your siblings all the time? No. I had a sister who would wait, and I don't know why she would wait. One, she knew I wasn't a morning person. 
Two, she would wait until 6 o'clock in the morning before school to come in and ask to borrow something of mine. So she wakes me up and then asks to borrow something. Now, what was my typical response? Yes, my loving sister. I'm so glad you woke me up an hour before I was going to get up. And I would love to give you everything of mine and you just treat it as your own. Get out of my room! Why didn't you ask about this last night? Get out of here! No, you can't wear it. No, you can't borrow this. You're such a jerk. You're right. Maybe ask at a decent hour. But if I went to school and anybody else complained about my sister, whoa, 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 whoa. That's my sister you're talking about. You don't talk about her that way. See, we in the Christian faith have to understand that we are called to be family. We're adopted together. We're, we're here for one another. Does it mean that we get along all the time? No. But does it mean that we should repair those relationships and love one another? Yes. It's a constant. Listen, you, you don't get adopted to come in and beat up the other brothers and sisters. We get adopted into the family to understand what it means and we learn the ways of the family. And so we commit to one another. We love one another. Why? Because it is our family. That's what it's saying. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts because we have perfect harmony. There's unity. There's unity that happens when we put on love. Now, again, this is only happens when the Holy Spirit is ruling our hearts. And what does he say to do? He says it in verse 13, as Christ has forgiven you, so forgive one another. And again, I was telling the, the inquirer's class this morning, it's amazing how much more I'm forgiving now in my Christian life years down the road than I was when I first became a Christian. When I first became a Christian, it was real easy to be kind of black and white and say, you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, you deserve to go to hell, yes, God saved you. Um, and I started making those real black and white issues. The more that you understand love and forgiveness and mercy, the more I'm readily to give it away because the more I need it. Because it's not just actions, it's my thought life. It, it, it's, it's how I interact with other people. And so as Christ has forgiven me and the things that Christ has forgiven me, am I forgiving others? And when I begin to um, forgive others that way, when I begin to understand how much I'm forgiven, I respond in thankfulness. Because, again, we have to pursue one another. We have to love one another. It says bear with one another, forgive one another. Because why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. It has to. Remember the sinful woman in the, in the home of the Pharisee? And she comes in and she begins to weep on Jesus' feet. And she takes her hair down and she wipes Jesus' feet. And she pours uh, perfume on Jesus. And the Pharisee's looking at her and he starts to judge her. And he says, remember, in his heart, if this man only knew who this woman was, he wouldn't allow her to do this. And then Jesus, obviously in his great wisdom and knowing the heart of Simon, says, Simon, let me ask you this. Two people owe a great debt. Both are forgiven. So who's going to forgive more? I guess the one who had the greater debt. And he says, now you get it. This woman who has sinned much has been forgiven much. And you know what? Now she's going to go out and she's going to forgive others as much as she's been forgiven. But you know what, Simon? You forgive little and you judge. And as you judge, Simon, it will be judged according to you. See, the more that we grasp and understand the love of Christ and the more that we allow the Holy Spirit to rule and lead, the more we are 
about loving one another. And so it's a call to us to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts so that we might give thanks to God above through the Holy Spirit. So that's point one. The second point talks about the word of Christ. And it talks about the word of, word of Christ dwelling inside of us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So the first thing that happens is that the word of God must dwell richly. So again, the wording here in the Greek is where it's a new owner comes into a home. And as a new owner comes into a home, they make it over, don't they? They make it their home. Okay, we have a great example. So the, our next door neighbors uh, just moved out recently and they were good friends of ours. And so what do they do? The last couple of months they spent getting everything ready and they repainted everything and they bought new stuff to put it in there so that they could sell their house. Well, it's sold in four days. Okay, sold in four days. So the new people came in. So what are they doing? They're repainting everything. They're putting in new fixtures and stuff like that because they're making it their home. Okay, when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, He gets to make it His home. And so He begins to, to, to make it. And so what happens is the Word of God constantly comes in. And He begins to saturate us. Every crack of the home begins to be made His. Should be. So again, as He keeps dwelling within us richly, again, the, the opportunity that should has is the more that it becomes your home, think about this. The more happy you are, the sweeter it becomes. That's what it says in the scripture. When we have the word of God dwelling in us richly, it becomes sweeter than honey. Psalm 119. And so it begins to, to wash over us. It becomes ours. The Holy Spirit allows the word of God to speak to us. We grow deeper in our understanding. We grow deeper in our love. But here's the, the thing. We have to allow the ministry of the word. Now, what does that mean? First of all, we have to not just be consumers of the word. One of the, the pastors asked about this. He says, what's the difference between Tiger Woods swing and our own? And his point was this. Fundamentals and practice. Fundamentals and practice. He says, we all can go to the same books that Tiger Wood goes to. He actually gave the example of Jack Nicholas, who used to go to his uh, friend every year. Now, this is one of the greatest golfers in all the world of all time. And he would go to his friend every year and say, teach me how to play golf. And so they would start with the basics. This is how you grip a club. This is how you address a ball. This is how you get a rhythm of a swing. And he would go over and he would learn how to play golf every year. It's the same with us. We have to constantly be going back to the Word. Back to the Word. We never get tired of it. We never outgrow the Word. It's why we keep the, the passages of, of papers that are out there to teach you. Hey, I don't care how you're in the Word, but be in the Word. So that it might dwell in you richly. So that we might get the fundamentals and practice. But we can consume all of that. But he tells us now we're supposed to now encourage one another. So we don't just keep it in. We don't just consume the word, but we have to now go out and encourage one another. We have to tell people, here's how it's ministering to me. This is what I'm learning in scripture. And week after week, it never fails. Someone comes up to me and there's something that I said, or we have someone read scripture and they said, well, I saw that in my devotions. Oh, that was something that I got to talk to my friend about. Here's something that I got to encourage the people. Oh, I heard that the other week from another sermon. 
God is constantly doing this to us. He's constantly put us in a place to say, now go encourage one another. Because here's the reality. When we're encouraging one another, we both grow. It's iron that sharpens iron. We're both getting the, the edges knocked off and nicked off. It's, it's us allowing the Holy Spirit to move. And when the Holy Spirit's moving in conjunction with the Holy Spirit and someone else, it works. And so he's bringing about this understanding of allowing the Word to move within us. But not only do we get to minister in the Word, but we also get to worship in Word. Now this seems odd. Because he tells them, hey, here's how you also encourage one another. By singing sim, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, again, if you're not a Christian and you come into a church, please understand, if you've been in a church a long time, it doesn't matter that you get up and you sing multiple hymns and songs. For someone who doesn't know anything about Christianity to come in here, that seems a little odd. I mean, let's be honest. To come in here, and why are we standing and singing to something that we can't see? Now, I want you to kind of spin that around and go, one, what's the purpose of us singing. And the sole purpose of us singing is it's, is directing our praise to the one who's only consumer of this worship is God himself. So we come in with a perspective of saying we worship to God and God alone. However, God uses music. He had gave it, he's given it to us as a gift. He gives us as an opportunity uh, because it's something that goes within our hearts a lot of times. Um, he gives us things to memorize. Have you guys ever heard of Roy G. Biv? Okay, that's called uh, initialism. This is what I looked up and it has an official term where it talks about these are the letters that give you, the name gives you the, the colors of the rainbow so you can always remember. Well, it's kind of the same thing with music. Music brings back memories. It evokes emotions. So if you had someone and you have a song, when that song comes on, that's our song. Or maybe you had a bad breakup and that song comes on and now all of a sudden you're nasty and mean. What's wrong? That song came on. We know it when as soon as the music comes on for Darth Vader, you know what's going to happen. When you hear the Jaws music, and I've done it because I've been out of the ocean at the middle of the night swimming or something like that, and I start singing Jaws music to myself. Dunna, dunna. And what I start doing, I start looking around because it evokes emotion. You shouldn't be out here in the middle of the night. You're the only bait that's out here. Maybe something's going on here. But it's also something that evokes within us, the center of us, our minds and our desires and our passions. It's a part of who we are. I sing songs, and maybe I'm weird, and I, and I get that, but I wake up to music in my own head. And sometimes it's music that I don't even like. I sing it the other day, literally in my head. Um, sunrise, sunburn, sunset, repeat. I don't even like that song. I don't even listen to that song that much. But it was in my head. And so I'm sitting there listening to this thing going in my head and I'm going, why am I, why am I doing that? But there are also times where the word of God is being evoked in the memory to song. And if we're not putting the word of God in our minds, then you're never going to hear it come back. Does everybody get that? If we're not spending time putting the word of God, especially to music, into our minds, then it can't be recalled. Garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. 
So again, he gives us music as this great thing, and so we should be thankful. And then what happens is we sing the word to one another. And there's four separate purposes for this. One, it teaches us to direct praise to God. But it also teaches, if you, if you read through the Psalms, it teaches us to give requests or petitions to God. God, do this for us. It also gives testimony of God. We get to give who God is in song. And then it exhorts each other to praise Him. So all this is going on in the midst of song. But not only that, it also is uh, singing's not um, optional. So just because you can't carry a tune doesn't give you the opportunity to not sing. It's part of our response to God. Now, does it mean you have to sing loudly off key? No. But it doesn't mean it gets you off the hook to say, I don't sing. So you have to sing. It's in response to God. But listen to how it kind of finishes up in regards to music. Zephaniah 3 17 says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will, listen, rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And then listen, he will exalt over you with loud singing. God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords sings over you. He doesn't sing quietly. He sings loudly and that should encourage you that the god who knows you by name loves you so intimately sings loudly over you so he allowed his word and his peace to come over us and then he tells us that the name of christ should be over us look at verse 17 and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him. So again, in the name of Christ, we're supposed to do everything, which means, first of all, we need to remember, and I get this from my first pastor uh, that I sat underneath and worked for, and he was very big on this, looking at the congregation. He says, one, remember who you are, and secondly, remember whose you are. Remember who you are in Christ, but remember whose you are, because now you carry the name of Christ. So no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what you think, you take, listen, the Holy Spirit with you. So if you're cheating, the Holy Spirit is with you. If you're looking at improper things, the Holy Spirit is there with you if you're a Christian. You're taking God with you. And so he's reminding us very specifically, we have to make sure that in all things in the name of Christ, we should be able to say, Jesus is okay with this. And we remember who we are and whose we are. Because again, in Romans 12, 1, 2, what does it tell us? I appear to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We're to be living sacrifices. Dying to ourselves and living for Christ. Daily, momentarily, in all things, we're supposed to do it for His sake, His honor, His glory. And it says to do it in both word and deed. So again, we're in worship 
all the time. And how do we respond? We respond with gratitude. And why do we do that? Because, again, we live in a day and an age where we live in entitlement, don't we? I deserve this. We live in a world of self. But gratitude, the thankfulness that we're supposed to have to God, that is the enemy of entitlement. The moment that we figure out that we are utterly bankrupt before God, that we are justly deserving His displeasure, that we deserve to go to hell, to have His mercy given to us, means that we should prostrate ourselves before God. And what is it that we sang? It's only God who should be the one to lift us up. If you stand before someone who is of royalty, you don't touch them. You don't. You put your head and you prostrate yourself before them. Is that right? Is that the right right? Okay. Sometimes I get it mixed up. So we bow before them, but only they as royalty can put up their hand to you and lift you up. And that's what Jesus does to us. As we fall on our faces before him, he's the one who picks us up by the hand and says, stand for you are my brother and sister before our father. And he loves you. He's singing over you loudly now because you have been saved by grace through faith in me. And so he grasps us And he gives us the wonder of God's great mercy. And when we do that, we respond in thankfulness. It should ignite within us that passion that I don't deserve to be here except for the grace of God. And so to God, we give all the glory and honor in all things, in all places, at all time. So let the rule of Christ umpire your life. And as he's umpiring your life, allow the word of the God to dwell deeply within you. Consume it, but then encourage one another in it and sing it. Let this become a weird world where we sing, um, where it becomes a musical. That's okay. But then in all things, in the name of Christ, whether word or deed, may we glorify and honor him in all things. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we need the Holy Spirit to come within us and to be truly that referee in our lives, Lord, that you would quickly and constantly call our actions and our motives into question when we step out of line. And not because we earn your love, not because we earn your forgiveness, but because of our love and thankfulness and gratitude for a king who loves his servants. Father, I thank you that you have allowed Jesus to lift us up and you now allow us to stand in your presence, not as, not as servants, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters of the King. Lord, what an inheritance. What a gift of God. May we never tired of giving you all the glory and honor and give to you all gratitude and thankfulness. For we pray this in the name of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.